Northwestern Michigan College Driveways. From the Mobile Studio at Northwestern Michigan College and the Department of Extended Educational Services, you're listening to NMC Driveways. Hi, John Plow here. When you grow up with Lake Michigan literally in your backyard, what kind of impact does that have on you? Our guest today, Hans Van Summeren, is the director of the Great Lakes Water Studies Institute. So that's your answer. You grow up on the water, you end up working at NMC and directing the Great Lakes Water Studies Institute. It's a small sample size, but everyone on the podcast today had this very experience. We're really glad you're listening to the shores of East Bay in Acme, Michigan. Hans Van Summeren, thank you very much for being on the show and thank you for having me in your driveway. Absolutely, I'm glad that you uh, were able to make it today. Tell me the history of being in this beautiful spot. You mentioned before we started recording that you grew up next door. Yes, yes. My mom and dad have been here for uh, over 50 some years. I was born when they moved, when they were in this house and I went to Traverse City Central School high school and just just Traverse City High School and then uh, left in 87 went down to Ann Arbor went to U of M ended up staying there for about 21 years and then I had a chance to come back to Traverse City and here and the opportunity at the college so that's sort of 51 years in a nutshell (laughs) so Take me back. You're in high school. It's called Traverse City High at the time? Uh, yeah, we were just the Traverse City Trojans. It wasn't Central or West. It was just one big school. So how do you deal with that in supporting through sports or other means and you want to buy a t-shirt or a hat? Do you feel <laughs> like you have to make your own that say what you called it or do you just wear Central stuff now? Well, our class reunions, I think that's always been something that my fellow classmates will say is that we, we were just Traverse City. You don't need to call us Central or West. We still, I still identify with the Traverse City Central just because that always has been the home school. And certainly that's the closest one, but all my nieces and nephews who live on the other side of town, have all gone to Traverse City West. So I've gotten to know a little bit about that school as well. What is it like to grow up near water? Well, I think it's sort of defined who I am in terms of what I've been able to do and how I've been able to you know, find my career. From my perspective, there's no better place to, to call your childhood, thinking of the memories of everything that I used to do on the water, in the water, both summer and winter. And how much it's changed and how much it's it's evolved in terms of just impacts from what we're seeing now with high water to low water to previous high water to lots of ice to no ice to storms coming in and, and all of those and taking all of that opportunity. And it, it really helped me decide my pathway when I did get into college and really a lot of ways shaped what I've been able to do today. So when you were growing up, did you find joy through the water? Did you find it 
fascinating? Were you a science nerd or did you just love swimming or fishing? What were you doing as a kid? Yeah, I think uh, maybe all of the above. Certainly enjoyed the science of many things and just being in it, swimming, sailing, snorkeling, a little bit of fishing, being on boats and being on ice boats. Some of my early memories are when the bay used to freeze very smoothly and we would go out on ice boats. And if you've never been on an ice boat, then you like to sail. That is an experience that is like no other. Yeah, all those things. Skating on the bay, creating hockey rinks, or you know, listening to it crack when you walk across it, and whether or not the whole thing's going to cave in be beneath you, even though it's over a foot thick. you It sounds like it's going to going to fall apart beneath you. All those things, I remember that. And I had fallen in through thin ice as a kid. We all probably did that once or twice. Nothing dangerous. You just got cold, went home, changed your clothes. Describe an ice boat for me. I don't know a lot about that. You don't see them as much on the bays, but they're essentially, a, they look like a sunfish, the small sailboats you might see on, a, uh, on the lake. And instead of floating, they have essentially steel runners that are very thin, like blades, and they just slide across the ice. And because there's so little resistance, because there's such little amounts of material touching the ice, they can accelerate very quickly and can travel at like 10 times the speed of the wind up to a certain amount. But you, you might be going 40 miles an hour in a matter of just a few seconds. So a, a completely different type of experience. And the ice boat I was on that my friend had the only way to stop the boat was to turn into the wind. The sail could not be let out. So when you're coming back to where all your friends are standing and you forget that that's the only way to stop, <laughs> people start to dive out of the way very quickly. So you went to college. What were you studying down there? So I studied naval architecture and marine engineering, the water side of engineering, not civil engineering in terms of, of infrastructure, but impacts of the ocean on coastlines, Great Lakes dynamics, coastal issues. I went to school right when we were having our last high water period. And so the studies that I got to do and the projects I got involved with really reflected significant amounts of the Great Lakes coastline. And looking at, as we're seeing today, homes falling in the water, uh, shorelines disappearing, structures failing. And so that was an area that when I first got to U of M, I didn't necessarily know that was my pathway. It was either going to be up in space or, or in the water. I just happened to choose the water route, and I met up with a professor who uh, I really enjoyed his class, and I ended up working for him, and then he was my graduate advisor, and then he hired me, and I ended up spending you know a 20-year career with him, if you think of my education all the way up through when I left Ann Arbor. I went all over the world with him, all over the U.S. and the coastal oceans, and saw some things that were absolutely incredible, and you know, research and, and subsea activity in, in all the Great Lakes, ex except Lake Ontario, all the U.S. coastal oceans, and just some absolutely incredible places that I will never be able to replicate from a vacation standpoint. And I, I tell that to our students now, that some of your greatest experiences or things you're going to see will occur because of the work you do, and that the access you get, you will never be able to replicate from a personal standpoint or be very difficult. For several summers, we did a lot of work in Alaska, both on the North Slope and then also in the Southeast area near the Bering Glacier. And Alaska is a phenomenal place, but the, the Bering Glacier at the time, 
I believe it still is, is the largest glacier in North America. And at the time when so many global glaciers were retreating, this glacier would advance. And it would advance very quickly and then retreat. And so we were actually mapping the lake that was formed as the glacier either advanced or retreated. We were working with a team of researchers from around the world looking at the, the flora and fauna, the biology. It was a, a, a huge migration pattern for harbor seal and then the silver salmon and the interaction of the salmon and the seal. We actually, part of the activity we got to do, we'd go out on small boats and we had to capture seals and then the biologist in charge of that group had to give the seal an enema to determine the gut content and how the interaction of the fish and the seal was occurring. So I've never seen that before and, and that absolutely confirmed that I did not want to be in that part of science. <laughs> Not a lot of people have had that particular experience. <laughs> yeah. When you're in a, on an adventure like that, A, do you think of it as an adventure, but B, what's life like when you're not working? Yeah, so Alaska in, in late July, early August is, is absolutely incredible. And we were there at a full moon event. And literally at camp, it's light until midnight. And so at midnight, you see the sun setting on one horizon and then 180 degrees people would turn their cameras and and you're getting this this beautiful full moon rise on the other side of the hemisphere there that is unreal in terms of how can it how can i have all this energy how can the sun be setting and it's you know roughly midnight it's just such a it's a difficult time to stop working but during work it was it was probably the most incredible experience in so many ways we took helicopters to fly up on the on the glacier face and we were we were de trying to determine meltwater and its its ability to move through the glacier out into the lake in front of it and on top of glaciers when they melt there are these moulons these these rivers of fresh water that are just the melt occurring from the sunlight and every so often those rivers find a a crevice in the glacier and they essentially just spin on down and create this light blue tidy bowl where all the water goes and and we were fascinated by how that would intersect with the with the lake below and we're miles from the lake and so we're all standing around this tidy bowl on a glacier that's probably a mile thick where we're standing and we're in the only helicopter that could get to where we are we're all staring over the hole and so is the helicopter pilot yeah, we all kind of commented his name was Rick. Like, Rick, you're probably the one person who should not be next to the hole because if you fall in, none of us are getting out of here. There would be no way to get us back. But seeing that and seeing something like that is up that close is just incredible. And then the wildlife, and we carried shotguns with us at all times just because of the grizzly bear population. And it's the magnitude of what you see in that environment. And then diving remotely operated vehicles beneath the glacier face and looking at just this translucent, like a, I don't know, however, 100-foot piece of glass that you could see through and rocks that had picked up along its way, along its path from the mountain that were embedded in the glass. I mean, it's just, just some very, very unique experiences. So take me back to the transition to NMC. How did you end up here and what were you doing at the time? Yeah, so I was running a lab in Ann Arbor called the Marine Hydrodynamics Lab, and it was a lab that we actually did all kinds of different 
research, both from lab research all the way up to field research. We tested model ships. So I did a lot of work with both Navy ships and commercial ships and sailing boats, but in scale where we would test them for their performance and then we could predict how they would behave in real scale. So I did a lot of very detailed work with outfitting these models with sensors and then understanding how we would extrapolate them to full scale. But then I also got to run remotely operated vehicles and acoustic systems for underwater research. I did that all over the the Great Lakes. And so those skills, they transferred into NMC quite well. They didn't when I first started. So it was 2008 and the college had posted the position for the director of the Great Lakes Water Studies Institute. And I was very much interested. I also was at a point where I had an opportunity to come back here regardless. And so I wanted to work at the college. It was always my first choice. I think I made the terrible mistake in my interview of telling them that. So I lost my bargaining chips. But <laughs> I had another opportunity to be in Traverse City, would work remotely in D.C. as, as a naval architect. And then also another opportunity in running ROV operations for projects from a, a private company. And I wanted to get out of naval architecture completely. It just wasn't that interesting to me anymore. The The Great Lakes were, and the work that I did with uh, Guy Meadows, who's now at Michigan Tech, I learned everything from those experiences, and I wanted to keep doing that. And so the Great Lakes Water Studies Institute represented an opportunity where could start to develop some of those same pathways, but from an NMC perspective. They had already developed a whole bunch of programming around engaging people in water activity, water stewardship, water education, some research. I mean, the program had components, and it looked like it was something that was going to grow. We had amazing facilities then, and we had a lot of opportunity to build on what was already created and what would be new. And so to me, that was what would be the next step in my career. And I was lucky enough to be selected, got to meet all the local partners very quickly, and within a month had started putting down the concept for the now Freshwater Studies degree and then building out from there. So the transition was, I guess, something I was looking forward to. I, I remember, though, the, the day I started, it was the, I guess it was the night before, and my father had said, well, you're starting tomorrow? I said, yeah. And he, he said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I don't know. I haven't been there yet. <laughs> and uh, he goes, well, aren't you worried about your first day? I mean, you don't even know what you're going to do. And I said, well, I'm worried now because you've brought it up. But at the same time, <laughs> I, I think they'll have a plan for me when I get there. And I remember that day really well. I'll probably remember that forever. Everyone I get to work with here made so many things possible. A lot of the things that I was hopeful I could be part of, we've seen happen. We have some amazing programming, and I get to work with some amazing people, and I get to work with like-minded individuals who also feel that things can happen the same way. So I'm blown away if I really look at what's occurred over these last 12 years and what we now offer, and also what I, what I see from our professional networks and how they recognize NMC for what we've created and then also what our graduates are doing and how sought after they are. So I'm proud of what I got to play as a part of that. I get to work with some pretty good people who make that happen. And I know you've, you've spoken with some already, but you know, I work very, very closely with Jason and the tech division and Ed Bailey from the Marine Center, 
Water Studies Institute. I mean, we, we share a lot of curriculum, and maybe that's probably the biggest difference at our college versus some of our colleague colleges is that the shared curriculum, these multiple divisions actually coming together and creating uh, something of value and, and very powerful. We go to other schools and they're like, well, how do, how do you work with so-and-so? I said, well, I, I talk to them and, and I ask them their, their, their opinions and they ask me and you work it out. And then working in Marguerite's group with the LPL group, you know, when I first started is when our motto of proceed until apprehended really came to life. And so Marguerite had stickers made and we put them on all our offices. And the whole idea was that we were tasked with breaking things that maybe should have been broken or at least tested about that idea. And that if we really overstepped our bounds, then she had bail money to get us out of a, a problem. It was a great concept because further energize us all that we can think freely about ways to create opportunities for our students, for, for the college that haven't been thought of before. That really made the beginning of my time at NMC really exciting. Describe the type of student that seeks out your program and then talk me through their experience. If we go back 2009, we started Freshwater Studies. We had our first Intro to Freshwater Studies class, and Constanza and I would meet with students, and everybody wanted to work outside. That was how they would start their conversation with, I want to be in Freshwater Studies because I want to work outside. And and so we would always, you know, refine the message, but essentially outside is not a job. What do you want to do outside? And how do you want to build a set of skills that allow you to do that? Seeing those students who were, who were passionate about the Great Lakes, who were passionate about fisheries, who were interested in the ability to make sure the Great Lakes were a place that mattered. That was a very common theme. And let's make it matter by how we craft the future. And so that was kind of how we looked at our degree program, that you will be the people in decision-making positions in 10, 20 years. And so take these experiences, build on them, and move forward. That was a, a, an early message. And then we saw a lot of opportunity with university partnerships where the students could then move on from NMC without leaving, like our partnership with Western Michigan. And there was a, a pathway in freshwater science and sustainability. And Western built that entirely on our freshwater studies associate's degree. And they delivered it in Traverse City. And the majority of the students pursuing that bachelor's for the first several years were from Traverse City. And I think from the Institute's perspective at NMC, that really demonstrated what the power was of what we had created because they took it and they only wanted to build on what we did. It wasn't like a typical articulation is sort of driven by the university. I think this was really driven either on an equal ground or even maybe NMC had a little bit extra in there. That to me was a, a very powerful opportunity for our students. We've had several students move through that pathway. We just started another one with Lake Superior State University, looking at more specifically fisheries and wildlife management, as well as areas of conservation biology. A great partner. And again, they took what we're doing at NMC 100% to transfer into their bachelor's program. On the other side, marine technology, the students coming into that program are techs at the beginning, really wanting to use the equipment that allows them to explore the Great Lakes, the world's oceans, and so on. And so 
they come in with that mindset of, I want to dive to the bottom of the ocean. I want to see things that no one's ever seen before. One story that resonates was it was four years ago, I believe, there was a student who was who was just started, only like two years into the program. We had a company called Phoenix International Holding coming in to interview students. And they really liked this person, and he wasn't done. In fact, it was the middle of the semester. So they offered him a job, and they needed him to leave in two weeks. So he came in. He said, they want me to leave now. They want to send me to Perth, Australia, get me on a boat, and they want me to go look for MH370 in the Southern Pacific Ocean. And uh, he said, what should I do? And I just, I said, you should do it. And then Ed Bailey at the time was the technical division director. He was able to get the student out of his classes without a financial penalty. We were able to get him out of his lease at the college apartment. So he had no financial impact in a negative way to take this opportunity. I said, you don't like it. When you come back, come back to school. And so he was on that research vessel for 60 days, diving equipment, 18,000 feet underwater. He found six shipwrecks, absolutely loved it, came back from that experience, came into my office right out of Traverse City, Cherry Capital Airport, just jet-lagged to no end after 24 hours of flying. And he said, I'm not coming back. And I'm like, you know, shook his hand. I said, that's great because congratulations, you're finding something you want to do even though he didn't complete his degree, and eventually he'll probably want to do that because of the way promotional opportunities occur, he's been back to NMC recruiting students from our bachelor's program to work at his company. And so to me, we've grown our network sort of organically that students are sharing their own experiences at a company, and the company is sending them back to then recruit the next set of people in the program. Those are pretty pretty exciting times, and people ask how we communicate with our students, and I just hold up my cell phone. I don't need a database, well, at least not yet. We use WeChat, or we use WhatsApp, or we text, or we call. I was at a conference earlier this year, and I got a, a, a note from a student who was in Thailand, and he was just sending a quick note about how his day had gone, and some of the challenges he had and he, re- he reflected back to experiences in our classes and how he'll figure it out and I actually used that I was giving a talk that day and I actually used it in the talk it really resonated with the audience and so it's exciting to see what these students are doing I don't want to do what they do anymore I've done all that stuff and I don't want to travel like that but I like to sort of live vicariously through them and hear their experiences and it's been nothing but excitement and real positive. Hans, it's so impressive what you've built and what you guys continue to do. I'm so thankful for this afternoon to get a chance to hear about it straight from you and straight from your car. So thank you for for being on the show and thanks for spending the time. Oh no, thanks John, this was great. Helicopter rides over glaciers in Alaska Searching for the remains of Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 on the ocean floor? Those are some serious adventures. It makes me question how thrilling my bike ride on Old Mission really was. I mean, there was some traffic and I was a little dehydrated until I stopped for a Gatorade. That's our show for today. You can visit NMC Driveways on Facebook Instagram, and Twitter. And you can visit Extended Education's own website with a brand new look at nmc.edu slash EES. 
Our theme music is provided by Sweet Wave Audio. For custom music, visit sweetwaveaudio.co.uk. NMC Driveways is brought to you by NMC Extended Education. Thanks for listening. I'm John Plow from Before. Northwestern Michigan College Driveways.